With HR Wins, I'm George LaRock, and you're listening to another HR Market Watch Future Work Podcast. And this time, where it seems all we hear about in the media are the bad actors in business, I'm excited to have a story about one of the good ones. No matter whether you exist for profit or for a cause, no matter your size, location, or your industry, if you're growing and or conserved with preserving the best of your company culture and growing the kind of company and culture people are proud of, you'll get something out of today's interview. Company culture. It's one of those things we all think we understand, but the reality is it means something different to all of us, especially in this world of HR and HR technology. The phrase gets bandied about frequently in all categories of HR and HR tech. However, there are standard definitions for these things. The one I like best for company culture says that company culture is the set of beliefs and behaviors that shape a team and all of their interactions. You could go further to say they are the shared beliefs in the organization. Now ask anyone that's been a part of a success story, whether it's in a profit-based or not-for-profit-based organization, what their key to success was. In a profit-based business, the product or service is the given. It addressed a need or solved a problem. In a not-for-profit organization, it's the cause that's the given. Your cause, your product, your service, it's important, but it's not the key ingredient. So what is the key ingredient? What do those people talk about? It's the team, how they were on the same page or all moving in the same direction and how leadership was clear and everyone understood how their contribution would impact results or how in the face of great challenge, there was trust based on all of these things. They're talking about the culture, the shared beliefs. It's what makes some organizations great and what can tear others down. I've been studying company culture and it's tied to business performance in my research for nearly 10 years. Now, when I started 10 years ago, the correlation of culture and business results was a perception or even an emotional tie. Yes, there have been studies going back longer than 10 years tying company culture to business results, but those studies are complex and they're difficult to use in your day-to-day business especially if you're trying to validate HR programs or management approach. Now the tie is more clearly understood, and with modern HR technology, company culture is more easily quantified, turned into action, and correlated to business outcomes. Now, there's no surprise that in this year's research for the Workplace Intelligence Report, when we asked leaders in more than 1,300 employers, in both in the U.S. and U.K., about company culture, 66% of them believe that company culture has a direct financial impact on their business. There's an awareness of the value and the ROI of company culture. One of the companies that's been leading the innovation in this space is CultureAmp, starting with employee surveys, growing into people analytics, and then adding continuous performance management and feedback via the acquisition of Zugata. CultureAmp has both taken direction from and led their customers 
down this path, this evolution of understanding culture and engagement, causing action based on its measurement, and now tying it to business performance and results. They've grown a large global community of people geeks that attend their culture-first meetups and conferences around the globe. But there's another dimension to CultureAmp that today's interview gets into. CultureAmp has grown exponentially, and they've raised more than $157 million of venture capital investment to fuel its business and product. And yet they've seemingly stayed true to their culture and their own shared beliefs while doing so. But how? We've had CEO Didier Elzinga on the podcast before, but this time we went to Damon Klotz. He was the driving force behind the growth of their global community, the People Geeks and Culture First. He was an early member of the Culture Amp team, and he's played many roles contributing to their global brand and growth. He brings some incredible transparency into the conversation about Culture Amp and into the bigger conversation about scaling culture through high growth. And I think anyone in any type of business that's thinking about their culture and its impact will learn something today. Damon Klotz is the work culture evangelist at CultureAmp. CultureAmp is the leading people and culture platform that helps companies take action to improve employee engagement, retention, and performance. Now, CultureAmp has had an exciting year with big funding rounds, new product features, acquisitions, strategic announcements about their events and community. Uh, I'm super excited to have Damon on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, George. It's great to have a chance to have this conversation. Well, I didn't say, you know, I talked about CultureAmp, but is there anything you'd like to add about CultureAmp or about yourself before we get started? Yeah, so for those who don't know about CultureAmp, uh, we're an Australian HR technology company. We were founded in uh, 2011, which is uh, quite a while ago now when you think about how much has changed in this space. And uh, our mission is to amplify what people are capable of being at work. So uh, I joined uh, four and a half years ago, and it's been an incredible journey since. Yeah, I'll say. Um, I've been, I feel like I must have met you right after you started or because I, I feel like I've, I've known you for that long and I've known CultureAmp for that long. Um, and watching, uh, it's, been, it's been a really exciting uh, ride that you've been on. And, you know, if you asked me four years ago, I would have said, oh, they're a, they're a survey company, but you're not just a survey and analytics company any longer. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear about how the product has grown and uh, overall growth, especially the last year. It seems like, you know, there's been so much evolution for CultureAmp in the last 12 to 18 months. Um, tell us about that. What's, what's been going on? Yeah. So like I said, like 2011, we were founded. So, you know, that's, you know, eight to nine years ago and things were very different back then. So when we did launch, you know, we put out to the market what was the first ever real-time engagement survey platform. So, you know, a lot of people were using consultants to measure things like employee engagement and our four founders got together uh, with our first employee, Jason McPherson, uh, Dr. Jason McPherson, our chief scientist, who'd spent 20 or 30 years in, in this space. And they got together to say, how could we actually bring this really cumbersome process and make it something that's actually easy for employees and easy for the team who are trying to um, administer it? Uh, from there, they started to add on, you know, different elements. So looking at 
the employee experience. So things like, like you know, candidate experience, onboard experience, uh, all the way through to exit data. And then probably around, you know, 2014, 15, they sort of bootstrapped this company, you know, from Melbourne, Australia. They got up to about 15 employees. And by that stage, you know, what we're really seeing was the emergence of an employee feedback platform. So mm-hmm. I joined it to the, in 2015 and I joined right after the sort of the first 15 employees really did so much of that heavy lifting to actually get it to a place where we had, you know, a hundred customer, um, over 100 customers. We had, um, you know, significant revenue for a bootstrap company. Each company that you sort of brought on allowed you to grow that little bit more. And then we really put the foot down in 2015 and, you know, took on our first series A uh, round. And then I was able to join along with um, a couple of other employees and we've been on this sort of growth path since. So from there, you know, I guess what we really see in 2018 was, more of an emergence of a people and culture platform. So, you know, companies wanting to measure things like, you know, beyond just engagement, candidate, onboard exit, they were like, I want to know the overall experience of our employees from start to finish. I want to understand how effective my employees are. I want to understand the makeup of diversity and inclusion inside of our workplace. I want to understand well-being. And then um, at the start of this year, I think, you know, one of the things that we really saw was um, we were doing a lot to measure people and culture, but there was one missing piece. And, you know, a lot of our customers were asking us, you know, performance is broken. We don't like our current system. We don't like our current, you know, way that we're doing this, you know, everything else that Coltramp has helped us with has made it um, so much easier on both our employees' lives and our lives to actually take action quickly. You know, if you were to do performance, we'd buy it straight away. So we thought about it, we we looked around and then there was an opportunity uh, to acquire a company called Zugata. So Mm. that's what we did at the start of this year. So then we were able to really connect the dots between engagement and performance and holistically look at, you know, the people and culture platform. So it's certainly come a long way since obviously that sort of first real-time engagement survey that the Make-A-Wish Foundation did with us back in 2011 to now having 2,500 uh, companies around the world and, and growing every single day. Wow. So it, it really with performance and culture and engagement, and I know um, from what I've seen of uh, some of the things that Zagata brought to the table and then you've taken forward as one platform, um, there are even more aspects that would fall into the, the talent management realm, right? I mean, you, there's like a light learning um, capability and uh, there's, there's a lot of depth to, uh, to the CultureAmp platform now. Yeah, and I think as the market has matured and if you just you know walk around any of the major conferences that happen around the world that are looking at the technology stacks that are available, you know, there's a lot out there. It's very confusing. You know, I'm an XHR practitioner. I know how confusing it can be um, to not only pick the right solutions, but also to embed them and to make sure that they're used. So I think it, it made sense to kind of go from just making it really easy to actually collect the data to then making it really easy to actually understand, act on it, and then make sure that there's enough breadth there that you can actually have one platform in place that your employees can rely on to understand, you know, what's happening within, you know, for themselves, for their team, for their department, as well as for the overall company, and then ultimately take action on that. And I think that's where the action piece and the learning and development piece is really fascinating. I uh, started my career actually in a corporate learning and development department uh, in Australia where I was trying to you know, deploy um, learning programs out to, you know, 65,000 employees. And um, it's still one of the 
I guess, most challenging aspects of like scaling L&D programs as well as knowing whether they're having the impact. And I think that's where the Coltrane platform has helped so many people is actually understanding the impact of your initiatives. So I think it makes a lot of sense that we're seeing a lot of overlap with the L&D space as well. Yeah, yeah, that does, that makes a, a, a ton of sense. I mean, every, HR leaders, you know, your customers, um, they want fewer vendors to manage, fewer integrations. Integration um, is still uh, one of the biggest pain points that I see in my research on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, when it's related to um, their anyone's HR technology that they're that they're using. So, Culture has been on this journey it, itself. Um, you, you talked about your customer growth. How has the company grown, and how has the culture scaled? Um, you know, uh, you've got, you've you've watched the company grow. Uh, you know, how many employees do, do you have, and what are some of the changes that have that, that you've seen that um, that Culture Amps had to make um, internally with this growth? Yeah, so I joined uh, as there was fifteen employees when I joined. Um, yeah. I know people like to know their number. I am Culture Amp employee number nineteen. Uh, four of us joined, I think, on the same day. So I'm not sure how we we got those numbers. Obviously, we pulled them all out of a hat or something. But we're now over four hundred employees. Uh, wow. two, 200 of them in Melbourne. So we are headquartered still in Australia. We're building a um, world-class uh, company to be an engineer in, in Melbourne, Australia, which I think is really exciting. Our uh, CEO, Didier Elzinga, has spent a lot of time with the founders of Atlassian, one of Australia's big success stories. And, you know, they were able to bring um, world-class talent from, you know, from everywhere to Sydney. And I think we're doing the same in Melbourne, which is really exciting. And it's uh, very proud as an Australian expat now based in the U.S. to kind of have that success story there. And we've also, like I moved out to the U.S. Uh, with one of our founders and um, helped open up our San Francisco office where I'm still based. And, you know, we have, I think, nearly 90 employees in this office. We have people in New York and uh, London as well and a remote uh, workforce we have people scattered throughout the US. We have uh, some engineers in Argentina. So, you know, our 400 employees are definitely all around the world, which is both exciting and then also brings, you know, unique challenges as well. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things that I think we did a couple of years ago, which I think is actually relevant to tell the Coltram story is when we're looking at our benchmark data, you know, like 13 million uh, pieces of data were collected on the Coltram platform in the last 12 months. So we have all this incredible opportunities to analyze it we put out a report called the culture crunch and it basically looked at how culture changes uh, as a company grows from like series a b c to late stage funding rounds all the way through to a potential ipo or exit and it's been fascinating to i've like presented on that report at events around the world and then also to experience it inside culture amps so what we found you know we analyzed seventy-one thousand data points for this report now, what we found at Series A is that you know, engagement levels are really high. People are joining right after that sort of first big funding announcement. They are really excited and sort of ready to kind of like get in and, and do the work. By Series B and C, you know, obviously the fact that you've been able to raise follow-on rounds, uh, confidence in leaders increases, but whether you see yourself there in two years' time starts to, to decrease. And that's you know, one of the most predictive questions that we have about whether you know, an employee is most likely to exit, you can literally just ask them, do you see yourself there in two years time? So while the confidence in the leadership and the company increases, you start to look at some of those tenure issues. 
by series C and series D, this is where companies tend to find things like innovation and managing performance and dealing with poor performers becomes more of an issue. So as you've started to grow, you know, you're maybe between 200 and 500 employees now by series C or series D, you know, if you're keeping people inside the company and not dealing with poor performance, that then starts to impact the performance and engagement of other employees. And if it starts to feel like uh, getting things done and doing things differently is getting harder and harder, that's where the things around like innovation becomes a really big issue. And then by late stage, so sort of, you know, series E, um, you know, getting ready to either IPO or exit, you know, employees really want to feel like they're back to winner. So this is where they actually want to see that the company set up to success. Do they see the long-term success of the company? So, you know, when analyzing this report and sort of seeing, you know, the culture ramp growth, there's definitely, um, you know, series A, you know, I joined as, you know, one of the first 20 employees. We then went to, you know, up to 100 employees in 2016. We did series B, 2017 series C, 20. 18 series D, 2019 series E. So we're very much wow. on that ry rhythm of growth and, you know, trying to grow the company, trying to grow the product at, at the same time. So um, both for me, I think, you know, I've held several different roles here. So when I think about the culture crunch report and how it's impacted me, I think what you ask of your employees through growth can change over times. And I've certainly found myself, you know, putting my hand up or being asked to do work that's probably outside of my normal scope and maybe something I've never done before. But when you go through that growth, you have to just, you know, do the work. And then over time, as yeah. the company grows, you start to specialize and then you, be, you know, are able to find yourself in, in roles where it's much closer to your zone of genius and you're actually set up for success in a way where you're not doing five jobs anymore. You're not wearing five hats. You can actually start to specialize. And I think what's been really important throughout that growth is actually just having super honest conversations with employees about their career path. And, you know, we don't see, um, you know, 100%, um, you know, perfect tenure as a goal that you should be shooting for. What we um, have been really good at is actually having conversations with employees around, you know, their personal quest and whether the work that they're doing right now is getting them closer to where they want to, you know, go, or if it's not finding whether there's opportunities inside the company to do that or not. So, you know, even before I joined CultureAmp, uh, Didier Elzinga, when interviewing us, he's our CEO, said, you know, how will joining CultureAmp help you do your next role? Like, you know, how is this going to be the thing that helps you go on to do what you want to do afterwards? Because he truly believes that this should either be, you know, the best place you've ever worked or the opportunities and experience you need to go get the best job that you've ever had. Wow. Well, I love that, uh, you know, the uh, the sort of arc that you, you painted there with... Um, you know, through the different growth stages and, and associating that with, uh, you know, the funding rounds and, and, you know, that, that was, uh, I, I can think of a number of companies that, uh, could many where you are in Silicon Valley that, um, uh, could use that kind of, you know, perspective about what employees are, are, are going through along with the scale of, of culture amp and, you know, your, your culture, your people, your teams, um, one of the things that I have just always been in awe of uh, is the community that you had really, you were the, um, you, you, you were the, the person behind the people geek community growth, right? Am I, I'm not overstating that. I mean, that, that was your, that was your thing for, for years. And, um, and it culminated it's culminated into this culture first event where they, every, all the geeks come together um, is, you know, tell, 
talk about that because I find knowing how hard it is to build community and it, it really takes passion and commitment to community. That's why I'm in such awe of it. And I, I think anyone in the market should, should hear about, about that, that community. Yeah. So, um, when people, and I have had this conversation already twice this week, um, we're speaking to different <laughs> companies around, Oh, like, you know, people credit me as, you know, sort of being the builder of the community. And I, I definitely, you know, did have the role of head of community for, you know, um, quite a few years at Culture Amp. But the first thing that I always do is remind them that the, the foundations of the community that we've built at Culture Amp were built long before I joined. So um, it's truly an organizational wide commitment to being part of a conversation that's bigger than just the company and the product. And I think part of this actually probably started because, you know, Culture Amp is an Australian company. So when our founders, you know, when our four founders would spend time coming out to the US, they needed to come out and like, you know, spend time with potential customers and prospects. And rather than try to, you know, 10 meetings in three days when, you know, you've got this tight turnaround and you're bootstrapping a company, you know, they were running events. They were, you know, sending out People Geek t-shirts to, you know, new customers. They were sending out packets of Tim Tams and, um, you know, which are chocolate biscuits from Australia and giving them instructions on how to do Tim Tam slams. They were like investing in the, you know, the potential customers and the customers and bringing them together because they knew that that was the only way they were going to actually scale to be the global company that they wanted. You know, this couldn't be a conversation that was just happening in Australia with the people that we had access to. So there were certainly events that were being run before I joined, but when I, when I joined and when I, you know, learned about the idea of a people geek, which really was our first persona, you know, it was the first thing we put on a t-shirt. It was the, it was the sticker. It was this kind of, you know, brand that we came up with, but, what I really wanted to do was turn it from a t-shirt into a movement. So I was so positively impacted by the communities that I participated in when I was a HR practitioner. I was the you know, convener for the RE Young Professionals Group, which is kind of like the Australian equivalent of um, Sherm in the US. I um, you know, went along to meetups. The very first ever networking event I went to in the, in the human resource space I landed my job opportunity that then led me down my sort of path in the um, government, which then led to a grad program, which led to all these incredible opportunities from like my first ever event. So I truly wanted to build the community that I wish existed when I was a practitioner, because while I had access to elements of community, I didn't really have the most inspiring place where the world's best companies were gathering. So I took one look at the, you know, hundred customers that we were working with when I joined in 2015 and said, if I can get, a small group of these people together in a room, like magic will happen. So um, that's when I sort of came up with the idea of a people geek up for you know, like a meetup for our people geeks. We created the people geekly newsletter and, you know, the cadence of community is really important. So like that's gone out every single week for the last, you know, nearly five years. We've run hundreds of events around the world. Um, you know, if you just search the people geeks hashtag on Twitter, you'll see just all these different people from all around the world who've, who've gathered you know, in 2016, there was one People Geek Up uh, being run every four business days. So wow. it was truly like boots on the ground going out there. And what we found was it took a, you know, it took a craziest Australian living in San Francisco to fly out to Vancouver, Canada <laughs> for, the, for the Vancouver community to get together. They said, we only get together when Culture Amp turns up. So there was this huge appetite for people to gather and to actually have a conversation. So from there... Um, the way we kind of think about, you know, the community is, is it's got a couple of different layers. You've got 
the overarching community, which is the culture first community. And, you know, it's a commitment to amplifying what people are capable of being and achieving. And, you know, that is an organizational wide commitment. That's something that the whole company can really get behind. And then, you know, within that, the people doing the work, the people who are there willing to like roll up their sleeves, they're the people geeks. And they're not just HR people. They're anyone who's sort of, you know, willing to understand the, you know, the power and importance of people, technology and data together to actually, you know, drive the change that you're, you know, that you're trying to, you know, change inside your organization. So for me, it's been truly a um, incredible project to work on while being here. I know that it's touched, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives. We've been able to run all these events and, you know, the event that we just held in San Francisco, the culture first global event, like seeing that come to fruition and seeing what we were able to achieve. I know that there was like, you know, the 23 year old HR practitioner version of me would have, jumped at the chance to attend an event like that so right. i do truly believe if that you know if, if this community and, and events like that existed when i was a practitioner i probably wouldn't have zigzagged my career like i have to actually end up doing what i'm doing and i'd probably still be a practitioner yeah yeah i um you know i was at culture first this year and you know you, you uh mentioned a moment ago you know that it's you know it's the conversation is bigger than the conversation about you or about you know your product or your your company it's a bigger conversation and that that's what i saw i saw a um you know how many people were there, were there? it was it was what thousands it was a big it was a big group over 1300 yeah 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 filling a big space and um and every one of them was committed to having that conversation they were sharing stories about their experiences um and they were but they were incredibly transparent and i don't just mean what was happening on the stage but what was happening um you know uh, over lunch or near the food trucks or you know anywhere as you as i made my way around the um the overall event, it was you know the the, the passion of the um, the attendees just really really struck me. And then the the it was you know Culture Amp was uh, there was very little um, content outside of you know if you wanted to go get training on a product or learn about a product, there was a place to do that. But Culture Amp was really facilitating the conversation, and I think the the spirit of the overall community was really alive in that event. And I, you know, I haven't seen any events like that, so I was uh, I was really impressed with that. And um, uh, speaking of culture, though, I know we've gone for a, a you know we've been talking for a while, and before we run out of time, um, I want to ask you about your role, uh, culture evangelist. I don't meet many culture evangelists. So tell us, tell us about that quickly, because that I'm, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by what the role is and, 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 you know, uh, you know, how, what is this new chapter for you at, at culture? Amp? Yeah. So when I kind of spoke earlier about sort of the growth, you know, by joining a company early and then once you're, you know, 400, hundred plus employees, uh, you know, people do start to specialize and I spent a lot of my time really in marketing focused roles and community focused roles. And then um, I had this moment where I was speaking in front of one of our audiences uh, in Sydney, we we're running a, an event called culture first forum, which is more for the sort of chief people officer, CHRO. And I was there sort of, you know, doing a sort of dinner address and I was just talking about 
why I think this, this is so important and why people and culture is so important and some of the trends I was seeing. And I was reminded that that's actually what I started my, my career doing. You know, I was guest lecturing on um, HR technology, you know, six months after graduating from my degree. And I was speaking to all these audiences and on Twitter and blogging about sort of what's possible within people and culture. And then I realized that's actually like, that's my zone of genius. That's where I light up. And I, um, you know, DDA as well as um, my mentor inside the company had a conversation with like me about like, how often do I get to do that? And what would it look like for me to spend most of my time actually having this conversation? And uh, so that's kind of where this idea of becoming Coltramp's first work culture evangelist uh, really came to fruition. So, you know, I'm here to represent what's possible within people and culture through storytelling mainly. So it's a unique role, definitely. It balances a lot of external thought leadership, uh, you know, speaking with people like yourself, speaking at conferences, uh, hosting our upcoming uh, Culture First podcast, and then taking all these learnings and spending time with our customers and doing deep dives and telling all these stories, and then bringing them back inside the company to make sure that we're actually learning inside Culture Amp. So, you know, a lot of it will be out there on the road, you know, sharing insights from the broader industry and sparking innovation and inspiring through storytelling, but then making sure that also Coltrane benefits from that. So it's kind of like this, yeah, hybrid kind of role. It's something that's sort of unique. And mm -hmm. for me, it's, um, it's really exciting, especially after spending so much time, you know, building up the community and, you know, bringing on so many amazing customers. Now I get to go spend a lot more time with them and tell stories and host our podcast, which is really exciting for me. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I know you've been working hard on that. Um, so uh, uh, real quickly, uh, given, given that is your role, uh, I've got a couple of, you know, sort of, we'll treat, treat them like lightning round questions. Um, I'd love to get your quick uh, take on uh, where, where do you see the market going with regard to culture and engagement and we'll say, you know, broadly talent. Um, where, you know, where, where do you see things headed? Yeah, so I'll share a quick story um, about just, I think, a perfect example of this. So there's okay. a company called um, Envision. They are a fully remote organization. They make design tools. Uh, and they're really set up in a way to ensure that their employees can work from anywhere. So, you know, when you think about talent, engagement, and culture, they don't have a physical space where these employees gather. They, yep. they have 800 employees in 28 countries. And... Um, they wanted to speak to us at CultureAmp about how do we actually combine engagement and performance data together so we can sort of tap into all the signals from their employee journey to actually uh, understand what are the moments that lead to high performance. And, you know, when we think about all the different ways that we try to measure this and the fact that they're a fully remote workforce, we thought this is an incredible opportunity. So um, they started to, when combining this data together, they focused on three really amazing outcomes that actually led to you know how is someone more likely to be a high performer so when they were looking at all of this data together and you know this is one of the things that's going to excite me about this role is telling stories like this mm -hmm. they were actually able to find that uh things like the candidate experience so like whether the candidate experience has matched the expectations has um you know 3.1 times more like, likely to be a high performer if the experience is matched so if you have these incredible employer branding campaigns that are going out there to the market that don't actually, you know, translate into the candidate experience once they join, you know, that that's a huge risk that these people are being sold a story that doesn't actually resonate with them. 
And then the induction program. So people who are, who answered favorably to the question, my induction program was thorough and effective with 3.8 times more likely to be a high performer. <laughs> and then the biggest one, which was kind of um, the, the really big takeaway there was whether an employee can feel like they can be productive within the first 90 days. An employee who feels like they can be productive in the first 90 days are 4.2 times more likely to be a high performer. So when I think about that question around like how do you combine talent management and attracting talent, engagement and culture together, you know, here's an example of a company that doesn't have a physical workspace where you can't turn around and take the, you know, the weather check about whether you feel like everyone's engaged or whether everyone's high performing, all the ways that we used to kind of think we could actually understand employees. Mm-hmm. They actually tapped into things that every company needs to be focusing on, you know, the employer brand and candidate experience, the onboarding and whether someone can actually feel like they're performing within the first 90 days. So to me, like that's this incredible example of like, if this company can nail this with no physical office space and 800 employees in 28 countries, there's so much that, you know, any organization who from 10 employees to 10,000 could be doing just to focus on those three things to actually increase performance. Wow. Well, that is a great, that's a great story. Um, well, we've, uh, we've covered a lot of ground and I really do appreciate, um, you know, your, all of your time and it's always great to catch up with you. I always learn something when we do that. Um, I want to, uh, thank you for being here, but, uh, before we close out, um, is there, uh, you know, any place that you'll, you'll be or and with culture amp or where culture amp will be where can folks find you and and meet you yeah so there's three simple ways so if you want to learn a little bit more about culture amp the company you can just head to cultureamp.com uh, if you want to learn about the community that we spoke about culturefirst.com you can learn a little bit about the ethos behind our, our community as well as how to join and then finally what i'm really excited about is uh, later this year we're launching the culture first podcast so i've been doing these interviews with people like uh esther perel simon sinek deray mckesson claude silva and really telling you know incredible stories about the impact of putting culture first so culturefirstpodcast.com you can sign up there to be one of the first to know when those episodes drop so there are all the ways that you can learn about us and i'm at damon klotz on all the different social media channels so more than happy to connect with anyone great great well uh damon thank you for being here No worries, George. Thanks for having me. Once again, I want to thank Damon Klotz from CultureAmp for his time and all of his transparency today. You can find CultureAmp at cultureamp.com and help Damon out and register for culturefirstpodcast.com. I've seen his list of guests and I've actually watched him work on this a little bit at their Culture First show and San Francisco, and I, I know you're in store for a treat with that podcast. Also, join, want to join the community? Go to culturefirst.com. And as always, if you're in HR or HR technology and you're doing something innovative and would like to be a guest, shoot me an email at hrmw, that's hrm like market, w like watch, at hrwins.com. Until next time, I'm George LaRock.